People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorists Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders. Encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Roundtable. Um, there is no Robin Reed uh, this evening. He is, and I quote, super busy, which is like busier than normal busy, and he's not available. Uh, so I'm Arnold Furious, and with me is Oliver Court. Hello. Uh, we have quite a lot to talk about uh, because we didn't really cover Chapter 33 of Progress last time around because it hadn't dropped on, on VOD. Uh, so we've got that and 34, and we've got a preview 35. And Rev Pro just had Uprising, which is like one of their biggest shows of the year. So we've got to talk about that as well. <laughs> uh, so we're going to try and whip through it as, as quickly as possible and not end up doing like three hours. Uh, anything to say before we launch into it? Uh, no, let's go. Rev Pro. Uh, straight into Rev Pro. Um, yeah, Uprising was on August the 12th. And uh, it's the fourth Your Call show of the year. Um. They've kind of clustered them all together after like there was one in January and then there've been three in three months, uh, but it doesn't seem to have affected attendance because they they were sold out. Uh, this show kicked off with uh, Josh Bodem against Jay White. Um, Jay White sort of uh, on his excursion, his worldwide excursion from New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's got stuff uh, on his uh, pants now for the very first time. <laughs> Which is exciting. Stuff on his pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of thing you get into trouble for. Having stuff on your pants. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, a, a match against Josh Bowden. They're both uh, like uh, young up-and-comers. And I, I can't help but get the feeling after watching their match, which I thought was very good. But like a year from now, I think it's going to be a lot better. I think you're looking at two guys who are very much on the, the up-and-up. Yeah, both of these guys have. You can see how far they've grown already, just in like the last calendar year. So, uh, I think if they do decide to rematch this down the line, it could be even better than this one. But this was a, a strong start to the show. It was strong. I wouldn't have said it was great or anything, but you know, I sat through it and I was like, hey, it's, "This is pretty good." Um, I think Bodum, uh, he's been doing some gym time. His upper body's looking a bit <laughs> more uh, uh, focused than it was. Yeah. Um, so he's he's really taking the business seriously at the moment. I I appreciate that. And Jay White um, has always looked like a, a monolith. Oh, Jay, so. Jay White lives in a in a dojo in Japan, so obviously <laughs> he's going to be in good nick. Um, uh, do you think one looked better than the other here, or 
Uh, I think White slightly looked better than Bodum. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is like the first time I've really seen Jay White in a proper match where he wasn't just getting stretched by Yuji Nagata or whatever. Um, and he looked very good. He's always been very competitive in like the the matches with Finley and like the other um, young boys. I've always felt he's looked strong in those. Mm-hmm. Um, this I think that this excursion is going to be great for him because he's going to get the opportunity to work his way up cards, and we're going to see what he's really capable of. Um, it's a real bonus to to get somebody in uh, into the UK scene that is on the up and up. Uh, who's going to be? A, I mean, he's going to be a big star. Definitely. Like wherever he ends up, he'll he'll thrive there. Uh, well, you think he'd be back in New Japan in in a couple of years, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'll, I will take what we can get in the meantime. Although we're going to get New Japan coming over in a couple of months. Yeah, once again, I thought Bodum was very strong in the heel role and uh, let White grow into a babyface role and like have a proper dynamic between them. Yeah, I'd definitely like to see another match between them. I thought that Jay White would lose this one, but uh, he got the win, and that is presumably because he'll be starring for Rev Pro a little bit more and moving up the card and being in more featured matches, so he needs to get a couple of wins under his belt just to like, properly establish himself. Bodum loses nothing by losing here. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, solid opener. Uh, then we kind of went into a match that I wasn't so fond of. Uh, Rob, the the one of the stingiest reviewers that I know... <laughs> Uh, gave Shah Samuels versus Big Damo three stars. And I I was drinking some uh, coffee while I read that, and I nearly spat it out. <laughs> so I was like, where where on earth is he getting those three stars? I, I would have to say that I enjoyed this one. I thought uh, this one had the requisite amount of intensity uh, that it needed for the kind of grudge match that they were billing it as. The crowd were very responsive. Damo like worked a lot harder than like we always get on him for maybe working soft and like but he really laid into Shah Samuels here and got the crowd really into it and wanting to see Shah get his uh and get beaten up. I, I don't know what it is, but I I just feel like uh you look at Shah Samuels and I mean he's been a solid hand for a long time, but if RevPro are really serious about being like the elite promotion in the UK, they need to feature like elite talent on these York Hall shows, like up and down the card. And I just I don't think there's any room for him. That is yeah, I could I can see that um being the case, but I think he does have his place. He's not an elite worker, like you said, but I think the, he's good at the, the shenanigans stuff. He like He's good at introducing the foreign objects into matches. He's good at like hiding stuff from a ref. He can get the heat that way. And I get that RevPro sort of bills itself as a super indie and like oh, only the best work rate guys come here. But then this is a company that put Vader in the main event. So they're clearly <laughs> well, Vader was a, he was a super worker at one point. Whereas I don't <laughs> think you could I don't think you could ever accuse Shah of being in that kind of category. And I don't know. I I think when um you have uh, like guys from other countries watching uh, Britress because they want to see like you know what the the fuss is about. Yeah. If they're if the second match that comes on the show is like Damo and Shah Samuels, are they really going to like be impressed by that? Uh, there's nothing special about him, really. I do get that concern, but I think like because he's established, because like people are accustomed to him, he does have cachet and he does mean something, and people do react to him. Oh, he's so, over. 
but there's there have been plenty of guys that weren't that good that were over. <laughs> um, this is true. I, I have no problem with him being like on like the cockpit shows and 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 doing stuff like that. But it's like when you get to your call, I think like a certain level of uh, of work is is required uh, to be in like a featured match. And I during uh, like the whole revolutionist run. Uh, I was pretty harsh on James Castle because I looked mm. at the, the team and thought I was so sick of seeing this team. And like because I hadn't seen that much of him outside of the team, I kind of blamed it on Castle. But the more I think about it, the more I was sick of like the, the Shah Samuels kind of style of match just appearing on every single show and just dragging them tag titles down. And uh, like, uh, and since like Castle's been doing some singles work, it's actually been pretty good. So I, I would rather see like James Castle in a singles match at your call than, than I would Shaw Samuels. <laughs> I, I think that's fair enough, definitely. But uh, I'm willing to give Shaw more chances after this performance, I thought. And Ian is doing his Sweden <laughs> right now. <laughs> he's, when he's listening to this, he's like, what are you, what are you saying? But, he's yeah, sharpening just... his knives for next time he sees you. <laughs> uh, which would be Brixton. Uh, yeah, I just I didn't think this match was very good. I thought Damo was. Uh, I know you said he kind of uh, was a, a bit better than usual in terms of like not working so soft, um, but I kind of think he's got like one eye on uh, on going to NXT, and mm. he didn't want to hurt himself here, uh, which is fair enough. I can't I can't blame him for that, but it just it wasn't a very good. I, match. I enjoyed that the match started out with him like just going straight after Shaw, like Shaw went after him at the last show, and like that showed a level of good continuity. And like the 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 outside brawling they did was really good. He did the cannonball into the uh, the uh, what's it called the <laughs> the, the guardrail even. And I oh, say so you you watched this today. I watched this <laughs> like a week a week and a bit ago. So uh, I don't really remember the uh, the spots so well. Okay, but like I thought there was intensity there that could have been lacking otherwise. So I was higher on this match. I had no expectations for it going in. And they surprised me with some pretty good stuff. Yeah, it looks like I'm the low guy on the on the totem pole on that one because I I just didn't rate it at all. Um, and then following on from that, out comes Jake McCluskey, and I'm like, this this show's going down the shitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like him a lot better as a heel, and like this team, this uh, British young bloods team that he's got going on with the Bruce. Um, it's okay. It's fine. They had a good match in uh, in the cockpit against uh, the tag champs, uh, Redman and Charlie Garrett. Uh, I didn't think this one really clicked at all, though. Uh, th- uh, no. this, this match with I, uh, Ryan Smile and PJ Black. I really question debuting Ryan Smile as Ricky Morton and literally getting in no offense throughout the entire match and then getting pinned, like, especially against guys who the crowd don't respect, like uh, the Youngbloods. Yeah, he blew the. Uh, he did like a spot off, um, off like Bruce's back where he was gonna like flip off his back, and he just kind of slipped and fell over. And mm. I was, just, I felt really bad for him because it, it's really not a good match from his perspective. Uh, he need he needs to get another go around with someone he's more comfortable with, be, be it a Pete Dunne or a Will Osprey. Yeah, he just needs one of them. Uh, one of them opening uh, singles match. He could have Bodum in, a, in an opener. Yeah, I'm sure that'd be a fine match. But yeah, this is not good. And PJ Black, whatever. <laughs> uh, PJ Black, he he was here for the paycheck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the smile, wave to the crowd, take it easy, <laughs> go home. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was it wasn't a bad bad match, but it was it was yeah it, it was, was like just it was just special, a wasn't it? Filling time until uh, the match everyone wanted to see. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, you say that, but like you didn't like the one in progress. That uh, this is Marty Skill versus Chris Hero, the the like the main event of the show, basically in the middle of the card. Uh, but you weren't that keen on the progress match. But do you like this one any better? I liked this one a lot more than the progress one. Um, this one had a lot more energy and life to it, and it felt a lot more fun. the The progress match felt very by the numbers and kind of dreary almost, and the crowd weren't that into it. It felt very oh, like I don't think I agree with that. But so. uh, they were. I've, mm, oh right, <clears throat> I it, like you say it's been a while since I watched that show, so I'm sort of misremembering. I, it. I know you're you're kind of remembering it because you didn't like it that much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, from, <clears throat> from like viewing it uh, on a delay, what I saw was a lot better than that. Okay. But uh, this match, this this second match, I thought this match they did a lot more logical stuff in there. There wasn't so much of the, you know, the um, Japanese-style strike jewels in the in the middle of the ring. Uh, yeah. They were more into the, you know, Hero using his size, Skull being sneaky. Definitely. And, you know, his his offense was more realistic in this match, I thought. Uh, that's I what I want to see the when it, there's one, but... that kind of size difference between guys. You need to yeah. make it logical. Make it make You can have an evenly balanced match between two different sized guys, but it, there needs to be a reason as to why yeah. oh, the smaller guy is getting offensive. I think the, the only problem I had with that first match is that I just didn't buy into the uh, skills offense. I didn't buy mm. into him like kicking out of all these big shots and coming back with big shots of his own. It didn't feel like a... It was a good match. I really liked it. I think it's one of the, the top matches I've seen this year in the UK, but at the same time, that was the biggest complaint I had about it, and they rectified it here and had a really good match. I thought Skull not like trying to hammer home the heel character as well. I've said this a couple of times before, but he works so much better as a tweener when he's just not yeah, trying wait. to be the ultra heel. He's borderline face here. Yeah, he's like he's like sneaky. He's like, oh, look at me, sort of cheat. It's like kind of Ric Flair when he was a bit older, like doing <laughs> the doing the heel spots, but to a face pop kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I see that. That's that's the way the business has gone. Now you have people acting like, <laughs> like assholes, and the crowd cheer them. That's uh, it's been like that way since uh, sort of the Steve Austin days, where he was he was a jerk, but he was just a babyface jerk instead of a instead of a heel jerk. I think Skull thrives under that kind of character and reaction. Like he does the finger splitting spots, but it's it's all very jovial and very fun, and it doesn't really work when it, he's like trying to come across as vicious. I, I just doesn't have that kind of charisma. He has the, the the fun and mischievous charisma rather than the dastardly charisma. Speaking of vicious, the finish in this match, <laughs> a pile driver off the top rope, and that is the kind of finish where it's like nobody's kicking out of that. If you kick out of that, you just have you have no respect for the business because that's just a killer move. Yeah, Tommy End. <laughs> <laughs> that, it's that... just. That is so what vicious that he, like he bounced off his head. Yeah, it was like an old Rob Van Dam style uh, <laughs> pile driver bump, but off the top rope. How did he even do that That's without breaking his neck? I, I really liked the story that both guys were trying to hit uh, the Gotch pile driver, the neutralizer, as like a you know a meaningful move to uh, Cesaro with that link there. And the fact that like they built the finish around that was really fun, and like it wasn't built around the chicken wing; it was built around a completely different move. So it was pretty unique to see Skull 
working to a different finish. I did like Hero doing the uh, uh, like the elbow, the uh, rolling elbow uh, thing, but then just stopping <laughs> when Skull covers <laughs> up and and doing the just kidding thing. <laughs> oh yeah, that was beautiful. But they worked. I feel like they worked off of each other a lot better in this match than in the Progress one, just because. In the progress one, it was very much like built around skill being a like dastardly heel, <laughs> and in this one, it was just about them interacting with each other more naturally, and it felt like they weren't trying to work to a story; they were just doing what came naturally to them. Okay, so uh, where do you have that sort of uh, in the snowflake areas? Um, probably <clears throat> over four stars. I would well, say. Yeah, I had it about four and a quarter. Yeah. Around, around about that region. I, th- I Probably top 25 on the year. So a very strong stuff. match and definitely worth getting the show to see. Yeah, I, I think this is the main... Uh, look, if you're going to go and watch this Uprising show for work rate, this is your match. It's probably what the show will be remembered for as well. Like, uh, the Vader thing was stunt booking and probably no one will particularly care about it in a couple of years' time, but people will come back to this match and say, yeah, they had, this was the best Hero Skull match there's been. Better than Kamikaze Pro. <laughs> I can finally oh. stop uh, singing the praises of that match no one saw. Beating that reference into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, so uh, next match after that was uh, Pete Dunne uh, versus Ricochet. I was really looking forward to this. I, I thought it delivered. Oh yeah, definitely. This was like proper PWG stuff, just go balls to the wall and see what sticks. Um, I, these two guys are two of the best in the world at that. Oh, definitely. I I thought they worked very well together. It was, they gelled well. Um, I think you, you'll probably see a better match than the next time they're together, because they, they'll have stuff to, to play off that they did yeah. here. Um, Ricochet uh, brought a load of flips here. <laughs> um, and I love that uh, Dunn was ready for some of them, so it's like when he... Um, like Ricochet goes for a flip out the air, and uh, Dunn just like smacks him with an elbow on the way down. It's uh, it. I, what I said about this match uh, when I reviewed it over on four on one is that I felt that um, Dunn looked legitimately on Ricochet's level. Oh yeah. Which th- there's not a lot of guys in Brit Rest who are going to have a match where they look that good against like a star from another country where there's only a handful of them, but now Pete Dunne's on that list. Pete Dunne has done himself wonders in 2016. Like, no one was talking about this guy last year, and now everyone is. So <laughs> it only took him half a year to be like yeah, a top, I, become a top-level star. I remember you saying, like, at the end of... Uh, when we did the end of the year awards, um, like, at the, the tail end of, of 2015, you were saying... Uh, Pete Dunne has improved so much over the last year. Uh, he's he's done it again. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> the beginning of 2015, he was pretty much a nobody, and now like he's a top five Brit Rose guy. He's up there, definitely. I think the only thing he really needs to work on now is his promos, because I, I, I think his promos are a little bit flat. I haven't but, really um, heard him cut a promo before but yeah he certainly has I think that's why a lot I think of they're experience. not letting him talk cuz he's yeah. not he's not that great. Well we'll talk about like a sort of mini promo he cut uh a little bit later on in this podcast so we'll look out for that. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um 
moving on from there, we had the British uh, Championship match. Uh, Sabre Junior defending against Jeffy Cobb, uh, who you may know from Lucha Underground under a different name. <laughs> um, yeah, Cobb looked really good in this match. Definitely. Like, ridiculously good. I mean, I know he's an <laughs> amateur wrestler, but um, the, the the approach that you took was just to just kind of lean on, on Sabre and, like, use his size effectively. And uh, it's not often you see, like, Sabre Jr. kind of running out of ideas, but a, he had to do something completely different to win this match because he couldn't out-wrestle Jeff Cobb. I think that's part of a reason that uh, the crowd sort of turned on Sabre Jr. in this match is because Cobb was so impressive with his moves that, like, he he's not too overexposed, so people are just discovering him for the first time, and he's really super impressive. And... Yeah, I think the um, uh, Sabre is a more entertaining wrestler of the two, I feel, anyway, uh, because he has a wider range of mat skills, where, but the, everything that Cobb did looked good. Yeah, definitely. He's he's got star written all over him. Like he's just a, a mountain of a man, and I I thought he worked really well with Saber here, and they sort of rolled with the double turn within the match kind of deal with Saber just like chopping him down and Cobb fighting through everything that Saber gave him, and I think that's what eventually turned everyone around supporting Cobb is that just like. Saber threw all these kicks at him, and he just kept getting up and kept getting up, and like he had to be killed dead to lose. I I thought he got over very strong here, and uh, Andy Gordon was right. If that was just a spur of the moment thing to be to, like step into the ring and offer him a place on the Orlando show, I mean it was probably planned, but no, it, I think it was probably planned. It, um, it certainly I... made a lot of sense based on the finish of the match and even the turn. Like people really took to Cobb. Well, the. The end of the match is basically uh, Sabre kicking Cobb when he's like on the mat, which I mean, there's there's something very heelish about kicking someone yeah. when they're down. I like, know it's like it kind of part of his moveset. Wrestling. It was just sort of yeah, he just kicked him. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> it was just a fug brawl and street that's fight. Wasn't exactly it? what Sabre Junior isn't. He's a very like graceful technical guy, and here he is just beating the tar out of Cobb, and he rightly got booed for it. And it's an interesting turn for Sabre because he's he's almost becoming more heelish with his association with Skull rather than... Um... But this is the thing, because they, they've turned Sabre heel on the cockpit <laughs> shows. He actually is a heel now in Rev Pro, and he was like before this match started, but they mm. didn't present him as a heel because nobody watches those things because they're so far behind. So this was sort of his actual turn in, like... I, I guess so, but he's already turned heel. <laughs> <laughs> in real time, he has, but in tape land, he hasn't. I, so. I do love that um, when Skull first came out, there, there were a lot of people in that building that were like, oh, he's going to challenge him. Uh, whereas I was thinking immediately, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, they're going to they're gonna run with the whole leaders thing because that's what they've been doing in the cockpit shows. But the majority of that crowd were like, Come on, Skull. They want him to beat Sabre but up. That would be an incredible back. finish to this story, is Skull turning face to challenge heel Sabre. <laughs> that would be something. But uh, I, I don't even know where they're going with this now, because like, I, where I thought the anger was going, they've gone past that point mm. and gone in a completely different direction, and oh, I'm really enjoying it. 
it's, it's probably... exciting. It's like living on the edge. We genuinely don't know what's going to happen next, and sometimes it's good to like know what story beat's going to happen, and sometimes it's exciting to know that anything could happen. Yeah, I think it's one of the best stories that we've we've been presented with in Brit Wrestle all year. And it's not like whole, shoved down our throats either. It's not, you know, Demon King, say it a hundred <laughs> times so everyone gets it. It's like, it's subtle. They've been plugging away at it on, on pretty much every single show since January, but not in a, like you say, not in an in-your-face kind of way. So that's, that's worked for me. It's been really mm-hmm. good. So this match I, I still don't know where it's going. <laughs> this match definitely worked in uh, getting both guys to where they need to get to. Definitely. Um, so just one match left on the uh, on the card. The main event: Young William Osprey against Vader, who's not very young at all. He's sixty-one. I, I think when I was when I got a bit fired up when they announced this match, I kind of forgot that Vader is as old as he is because he is almost completely immobile now. It, um, it, it's, I think it's, it's sad to see him not be able to walk down the stairs. It is. But he's credit to to Osprey that they actually went out there and had like a pretty decent match. It kind of took me out of it when Osprey was just like literally throwing himself off the the ramp and Vader just kind of like giving him a nudge. And it, this was a classic wrestling a broom deal. Yeah, I look forward to his match with the uh, Yoshihiko. <laughs> <laughs> When I help, I'm sure that'd be fantastic. But the, uh, another problem I had was Vader getting presented like this absolute monster, and he's unstoppable, and no one can touch him when he's clearly just like an old man. Je- well, 20, Jeff Cobb should have got years this ago. Build. He was he was unstoppable. Uh, yeah, but now you've got guys like Jeff Cobb. When you could build him as the unstoppable monster, <laughs> as a certain promotion does, <laughs> and. You could get him over like that, and instead you choose to uh, present an old man like that. And it's just, it's odd and doesn't make any logical sense if you just look the, at it with your eyes. The booking made no sense for me. I, I don't know why. Presumably, Vader didn't want to lose. That's the only thing yeah. I can think of as to, as to why uh, yeah. he won the match. But, um, I mean, the crowd was chanting bullshit at the, at the finish, but they were invested in the match. Like was, throughout the match, the crowd were really into it. Um, they enjoyed the storyline they were getting. Uh, Osprey was flying around all over the place. Uh, Vader was just killing him with like, clubbing moves. Uh, the, the whole thing worked. And then you had Ricochet and Pete Dunne do the, the run-in stuff. Um, I don't know where they're going to go with that. I, I have really enjoyed the storyline. I, I like controversial stories and like debates on Twitter, like, <laughs> like we, we we love to hate them and like we love to engage in stupid arguments, but we probably don't need to. But it's fun. It gets your your blood pumping and like it gets you excited for the wrestling. And you see that with uh, the Will Osprey versus Ricochet match that uh, made all this happen. You saw that with Miz and Daniel Bryan's argument just a few days ago. Uh, we like this sort of controversial stuff where not everyone is on your side and you want to like let your opinion be heard. We're in the age of opinions now with Twitter. And so stuff like this is definitely playing into that. And while I may not have approved of the match actually happening and Vader with his broken down self stepping into the ring and nudging Osprey, but like getting 
uh, being told that like Vader's killing Osprey when actually he's just nudging him. That is annoying, but I really liked the story here. I think it played out well. The only thing that was wrong is that Osprey didn't win. Yeah, that was really stupid. I, I think that <laughs> they managed to get through the whole of the storyline, everything from going back to that uh, Best of the Super Juniors match months ago. They managed to get from there and had like a nice little logical story through the, the whole Twitter beef and got to the match, got through the match and everything was fine and I really enjoyed like everything about it and it was it was all i was all fired up watching this because mm-hmm. I, I was like come on will <laughs> and um and then at the end vader wins which the big uh, problem is you know vader on... isn't coming back well is he though i mean they might do something down the line as a tag because but by then all, all the, the heat of the angle will have gone if they're doing well, this, this in true. january or february or whatever no one will care by then that's the thing. I mean, they've got the New Japan shows coming up, so it won't be on there. Yeah. Unless so, yeah, they I'd... tie in the whole Vader was in New Japan 20 years ago into it, or whatever. <laughs> but it would, was, it, would, so. it would hurt the spirit of the show, I think, because that's supposed to be like a big, you know, wrestling clinic show. And then you've got old man Vader. You know... <laughs> You'll notice I'm saying nothing bad about Vader during this whole thing. <laughs> I th- this might be a generational thing, because obviously I never saw Vader in his prime, so I'm quite happy to you know, call him old and broken down and shouldn't be in the ring. I clearly don't have respect. Like, ni- 1992 Vader was, like, the best big man of all time. Mm. And I don't think anyone... I don't think there's a debate there. I, I know some people would say, like, Undertaker, but... For like the how good he was there, he was ridiculously good. If if he'd been like somewhere where there were there were a lot of eyes on him for an extended period of time and had like a decent push for an extended period of time, that that wouldn't be a debate at all. He would he's just the best. The stuff with Sting, uh, even the the match he had with Flair at the end of '93 was fantastic. It's like that that period in time he was the best. So you know I'm, I'm kind of fond. The thing is, back back in 1992, did you really have guys who were in their 60s main eventing shows and going over <laughs> the Vaders? This is WCW. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But even then, those guys were only like 40. Oh, like, I guess. Literally ancient man. <laughs> I would say he's going to come after you, but like he, he can't. He's... His knees are shot. <laughs> A promoter needs to pay him like. $20,000 to get him to come after me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't be bothered. I'll just okay, so, stairs, it's fine. Um, so overall, uh, I thought, like, on paper, I wasn't keen on Uprising. I thought it wasn't going to be that good. Uh, but it turned out to be, like, a really memorable show for me. Uh, like, Hero Skull was fantastic. I thought Osprey Vader worked for the most part. Um, if, if you have matches like that where the crowd are that into it, that it kind of goes above quality and be, and it just gets remembered for being, you know, the, the moment where Will Ospreay kind of became like a, a real main event star because that's what he was here. Um, that could be important in the long run. And like his star will still continue to go up. It doesn't matter. Like winning and losing to him at the moment doesn't make any difference. I think this was a fine show for what it was. Obviously, the main event was... Uh, not for us, <laughs> as we keep saying. Um, I think they need the New Japan shows just as a palate cleanser, almost, for people who didn't appreciate uh, the story or the match. Um, 
and they can get what they really like about Red Pro, which is the awesome matches, uh, the big import stars, the big Brit Rest stars, all colliding together. And Shaw Samuels. <laughs> and indeed Shaw Samuels. Um, okay, so that's that's Red Pro. Uh, now we're going to head over for a bit of um, uh, progress chatter, and there's an awful lot, so we're, mm-hmm. we're going to try and whip through it as quick as possible. Yeah, well, progress, we'll go back to July, almost a month ago, um, for Progress Chapter 33, Malice and Wonderland. And this show was fairly controversial, <laughs> and we'll get into all that stuff coming up. First off, we had the split of two very well-established Britress tag teams, the Duns and Mustache Mountain. Um, this was this was a gutsy move. Oh yeah, I did not see this coming at all. I could, <laughs> I could see Pete Dunn abandoning Damien, which is, is harsh on Damien, but he's he's way out of his depth. Um, but Mustache Mountain, I mean, I, I thought they had something there. I thought they had something that they could run with as like a, a top of the tag division kind of deal because they're that good together, but. Yeah, they've, they've just kind of gone, nope, not doing that. It is it is gutsy, definitely, because it's essentially chucking uh, over half a decade's worth of Ritress canon. <laughs> like, you only just started using Trent Seven and Tyler Bate, and you're going to split them up without ever really using them. It's ballsy. Really like, what, two, three matches as a team, though? In progress, yeah. And... But after today, and after seeing this new video that Progress have put out with uh, British Strong Style, Pete Dunne, and Trent Seven discussing why they split up with their partners, I'm I'm all in on this team, the British Strong Style team. Uh, well, Pete Dunne... They're, like, they're our boys now. Because yeah, we're, we're West Midlands, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm adopted West Midlands, and they are our boys. They, Pete Dunne said that, yeah, he used your story that Damien is holding him back. He's not as good as him, so he's chucked. But then, very interestingly, Trent Seven said that, you know, he wants to do something different in progress. He doesn't want to be tied to Tyler Bate. He doesn't want to be that guy. And he said, don't, don't go crying to your mum, Tyler Bate. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Tyler Bate's mum gets referenced yet again. Um, Jill Bate. And they just come across, like, very confident, very hard-nosed guys. And they're literally representing... The West Midlands. Trent Seven's beef with progress is that they claim to be British Strong Style, and he's been wrestling for a decade in Birmingham and Wolverhampton and uh, everywhere else in the West Midlands, representing the Strong Style form of wrestling, and along comes this yuppie promotion in Camden. (laughs) I I think they may have... uh... Started this storyline with Birmingham's show, uh, Birmingham's what January the first show yeah. in Birmingham. Uh, I think they've started it with this in mind. Oh, I can't wait! We'll both be at the, that Birmingham show. I, undoubtedly, I mean, my brother is over from the states, <laughs> but I'm still going to go. <laughs> if if they manage to time it right, so that these guys are facing presumably the London riots, like mm. that, that would be an excellent team for them to face. L- London versus Birmingham in Birmingham. That would be a ridiculous match. It'd be like the um, <laughs> like when the heart that like Bret Hart turned heel in the United States, but was still a babyface in Canada. Yeah, it'd be like that. It'd be like a little uh, territorial deal where it, you yeah. know, the you've got the guy, our guys, the Birmingham guys, would be babyface in Birmingham, but heel in London and vice versa. 
All these, all these trendy, you know, London suburb people who go to pro press, you know, they can dislike <laughs> uh, British Strong Style, but, uh, you know, the I mean, hard... It's got me fired up just thinking about it, because I'm like, when they, <laughs> when they come out in Birmingham, I'm going to be off my chair, I'm off, like, possibly standing on it, yelling my support for, for Pete Dunn and Trent Seven. But yeah. I'm that fired up now, and it's, it's, uh, it's August. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. Like, January. January rolls this, this this story has definite potential, and if if they put it in a prominent spot in January, if everything goes well, oh, we could be onto something big. <laughs> and I, we'd like both yeah. guys, Pete Dunn and Trent Seven, and them rep you them representing your home and my adopted home. Very exciting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd. So fired up. It, this is months away, but, <laughs> but they're, they're going to book something with them. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had them do that promo. That's the thing about progress. is like when they do something, it's for a purpose. Mm -hmm. There's always something happening down the line based on what they're doing now. So this whole promo that they've cut, uh, was it today or yesterday? I, uh, it was, yeah. I, I've seen it today. But... Um, yeah, they've done that with, with something in mind, and I think that's what it is, that Birmingham show. Oh, Fired up. <laughs> um, three matches we're going to skip just for time constraints. Jack Gallagher versus Zach Gibson. Gallagher beat Gibson. Mark Andrews beat El Ligero. They're, we're, they're cooking something with the Origin losing streak, and we'll talk about that in the Chapter 34 review. And okay. the team of Travis Banks and TK Cooper got a win over... Roy Johnson and Jack um, Sexsmith. I just need to stop you in that one because okay. uh, that was the the Wasteman challenge. Uh, so you had like body guy Roy Johnson yep. uh, laying down a challenge to Jack Sexsmith, and he got the crowd to chant Johnny McIntrovert to John Briley. Um, that might be the weirdest chant I've heard <laughs> in quite some time. <laughs> that is. A strange one. I didn't pick that one up because it's kind of hard to hear occasionally. But John Johnny McIntrovert, <laughs> they were chanting at uh, Jay Breezy. <laughs> that and that segment also... went on forever, so I might have just checked out. I think total time that Roy Johnson was in the ring was half an I hour. Was there for ages. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe um... they should have had a little bit of a shorter match, but yeah. But we'll yeah, talk about both those teams. That match wasn't that good, but. We're going to talk about the good match later. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, moving on to Mark Haskins versus Will Ospreay. Speaking of good matches for the championship shot at Brixton. And I thought they told a really good story here with cocky punk Will Ospreay thinking he could waltz back in yeah. and just easily and just, win. Just walk all over Mark Haskins like he did the last time when he was champion. When actually he was going to lose before... He was guaranteed to lose before the match even started because Haskins was always going to laser focus on his injured arm. And they did a really good job of presenting Osprey as not 100%. And he had his weird... Well, he, had a, he had a shitload of tape on. And he had his, his uh, Olympic slash Hiroshi Tenzin cup on his back where he did like the modern version of bloodletting. The little <laughs> cup on his back. Which was fun to see. Um, I hate, I hate that. It's I disgusting. hate looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> so when Tenzan had it done during the during G one and the Gatter as well, they both had it done, and I was just looking at their backs as they were taking bumps, and I was like, Ugh. yeah, well, they've been attacked by an octopus. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so I liked the story that it was a foregone conclusion that Haskins was going to win, but Osprey didn't realise it and wrestled the match like a cocky prick. Best of the Super Juniors, you know, I'm better than you. And got caught time and again in like arm bars and stuff that weakened him yeah. up to the point where he had to tap out. I think that that whole match was really good. Uh, a complaint about the fans during this one, they don't seem to have any idea when to throw the streamers into the ring. Oh, We'll, we'll, we'll get, yeah. <laughs> we can talk about that now, I guess. Uh, Will Ospreay is the only person who gets a good streamer game. Everyone else, Britrest streamers, need to step up their game because you see a lot of these streamers just getting thrown and there's no trail because people are just literally throwing the ball of tape yeah. and not, you know, unwinding the, the it a hit, little bit. <laughs> hit, the Robert's in the head. <laughs> <laughs> and they just need to be more timely coordinated maybe color coordinated as well i know they don't sell them in like color packs so i can forgive that but yeah that, that brit rest streamer game is like way <laughs> off it's they need to throw it when the guy is introduced that's yeah not when he it. not when he walks into the ring I, osprey everywhere. can osprey is good for when he goes into the ring because he like jumps up and the music hits at just the right time it looks good but, you know, when Haskins just, you know, slides into the ring, he shouldn't be getting streamed. That should be when his name gets bellowed. Whew, streamer. <laughs> streamer controversy. Oh, no, it just wasn't good enough. But um, the wrestling was fantastic. I, I liked it more than you did. Um, you, you've got about four stars on this. Yeah, I didn't like That's it as much as the main event match from I think it was chapter 21 last year about this time last year that might have been the best match um, ever in progress chapter 23 okay is what what a time to be alive and I only know that because I wrote it down <laughs> so I thought it might come up but that was yeah. fantastic I, I really like the psychology of this one I like the I'd like you say about um, Osprey being really cocky Haskins every chance he gets just kind of Sneaking the arm bars in there, uh, like the the cheeky Nando's when he went to do the setup for the kick, and he leaves his arm in there, dragging Haskins' head down, and Haskins turns it into an arm bar over the ropes. It's like the way that the they incorporated all the recognition stuff and just takes like Osprey's trademark moves and uses them against him. Um, and just he was just so relentless as well, Haskins. It was like watching. Uh, he was like Ishii to Osprey's Okada. That's I, I, I had it more like a Shibata Okada, even though we haven't really seen that yet. This would be this is Britress's version of that, definitely. Yeah, I well, kind of. I was I was more focused on like the way he's just constantly just coming after him, coming after yeah. him. But eventually, he gets the win, which is exactly what happened in in the G one <laughs> with uh, Ishii and, and Okada. Um. Yeah, the, the finish being the uh, he goes after that uh, uh, Oz cutter and out of the air straight into the star armbar. Really good stuff. Very good clinical. Stuff. <laughs> and I'm excited. I was excited to see Haskins in the main event of Brixton, and we'll talk about a little bit later about how that has changed a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure what to make of that but uh, i'm gonna kind of reserve judgment until i've seen it okay um next up we had a tag team championship match 
London Riots versus War Machine. We'll probably just briefly discuss this because the much better match happened on the next oh, show. Yeah. <laughs> but well, yeah, essentially, uh, the Riot who pinned him, I believe it was James Davis, uh, grabbed a bunch of tights on Ray Row, and it's sort of playing up the, the Riot's heelish past. They never properly turned face. They left the promotion as heels and came back a few chapters later as just faces like um, all pally pally with Jim Smallman and they never really explained what happened to make them turn. Um, this this match was at its best where they just didn't bother they just ignored the rules completely. Yeah. <laughs> for like a, this is a chunk of the match where they just completely ignored the rules and I had tweeted out um, if you do a rematch make it like a tornado tag and, and then exactly like, what the, they next, did. the next day, they, uh, they announced the same. So either they were reading or that's what they were going to do all along. And mm. I was supposed to buy into that based on the best parts of this match being the uh, like the no DQ stuff. It is a bit uh, weird that a lot of matches on Chapter 33 were essentially just setting up Chapter 34. But there we go. I think they were kind of going on them having a big title match and having the big number one contenders match, and that should have been enough to carry the show. But the number one contenders match really came off. Like Osprey Haskins was really, really good. Um, but I don't <laughs> think the rest of the card did quite so well. I think if the main event, which we'll talk about now, the Progress Championship match between the champion, Pastor William Eva, <laughs> and the challenge of Marty Skull. If that had come off better, then it's could have been like a properly good show. But uh, this one, it was bad time for Eva to have his least inspired performance in quite a while. Um, he just didn't seem to have any of like the flair he showed against uh, like Gallagher and Dar around about this time last year, which got him to this level. Like we saw potential there, and here he just kind of. It may have been like the pressure of the moment, but he just like, kind of seemed a bit lost. He never really connected with Skull, and by the, just at the time they were picking things up and getting the match going into its closing stretch, that was pretty satisfying. Um, they go into the bullshit finish. Yeah, I think I probably liked the match a bit more than you. Um, I, I thought you'd looked at um, you know him doing stuff like the uh, like Eva, where he's doing the, like the fake dive, and then he follows it up with a pescada right afterwards, just to kind of you know pull all that together. I thought he was doing some good stuff in this match. Um, like I said, the the chemistry wasn't quite there, but uh, yeah, I thought it was a decent match anyway. Uh, but obviously, the finish is what people are going to remember, and I didn't like the finish. So to put it into context. Um... A comedy wrestler <laughs> left yeah. Progress a year ago the, and the problem comes is... back wearing a suit and being, oh, I'm a heel. <laughs> it's may, as, may as well what he, Sebastian actually said. There, there was a bit of an issue as well that he used his big like first line when he was coming back and grabbing the microphone was to make a joke, which was the... Uh, because he says, like, Pastor William and Eva, and everyone's like, uh, you know, the voice is booming down from the heavens, and he goes, no, it's not God, but it's pretty fucking close. It's a gag line. Mm. It's, so a come... it's something the geezers would say. <laughs> not seat-wearing uh, Kensington's finest, Sebastian. Because this, like, this is going back to 
said when I didn't like him in the first place because I didn't think he was very good. It's not the, all of my complaints about him there. <laughs> that he just didn't have anything about him. And being in the Geezer's tag team, that kind of brought a different side of him out. And I kind mm. of appreciate it. And now he's just gone straight back to being, oh, I've, got, I've got lazy town villain hair and wear seats. <laughs> and that's his character. I mean, he's, he's going to come and, uh, and say something at uh, Chapter 35. I have yes. no idea what it's going to be, but apparently he's got a secret about Pastor William Eber. This is the big problem. It reeks of, you know in WWE when the face will like pull up like a doctored picture of the heel with like his clothes off or like eating some disgusting meal or whatever and the crowd is supposed to laugh because that's what makes Vince McMahon and literally no one else on earth laugh. The, <laughs> the having a secret line just reminds me of that so much. Like, oh, I know something about you and I'm going to Lorded over you. Nobody cares. Maybe it was, though. It's it's maybe so it was unrelatable. In, um, in Shane McMahon's secret lock box yes. from uh, before WrestleMania that they <laughs> forgot about. <laughs> it, it's basically that. It's it's just a MacGuffin that nobody can possibly care about, and that's fine if it's just going to be in the undercard and they can play it off for a match later. But this is the main event. This is what you're sending the crowd home on. Oh yeah, Seb out of his depth. Like Completely. he doesn't belong anywhere near the main event. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking. uh, I'm not having a go at the guy, um, but like his talent level and his experience level are nowhere near what is required to be in the spot that he's just been put into. And his exposure level. I mean, he hasn't been around for a year. People watching might not even know who he is. What reason does anyone have to care about him? Well, that's why he's got to come out and cut a promo um, on the next show to Mm. try and get the angle over, but He's got a bit of an uphill struggle straight from the get-go. I think Um, they've put too much stock into his uh, supposed mic skills. I I don't think people are going to care. But he could surprise us. He could cut uh, the promo of a decade and make a match with Eva at Brixton like the most hyped match on the card. (laughs) I don't know, but it's not. I have no expectations for it. And if they do waste a spot on those two at Brixton, then that is kind of disappointing. Yeah, I, he's going to have to come out and say something like pretty amazing to actually get any heat on the yeah. match. I think the crowd are going to like Eva anyway because, I mean, they they popped his title win. Uh, they like him in general um, in London. Uh, so I, I don't see it being like a, a major issue for him to have a spot on the on the card. But the worry is that this is something that they they've been building for a while and that they want to do over a series of shows. And I don't really want to see, because if they do it over a series of shows, then Sebastian's winning in Brixton, which I don't think anybody wants to see, apart from Sebastian. Maybe Tom Irwin. (laughs) Also, awful stuff for Eva. They've they've done him a disservice by cashing his title shot in for a a one-time pop, and then... Essentially, well, my, presenting my theory him. theory for this is that Haskins was originally booked to win the Super Strong style yes. <laughs> and win the title, so he would now be champion. And uh, they may have had a plan where Skull would basically steal it off him at some point and then set up a rematch. Uh, so instead of that, they had to kind of insert Eva in there, and but it's 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 made him look like not 
on the level of Skrull and those guys, when what you could have done is just have him have a shot at Skrull, valiantly lose in defeat, yeah. and look like like cleanly, and look like he's on the level, rather than um, losing to Skrull in a really screwy way. Skrull looks bad for slipping, like having to have the other guy slip on a banana peel so that he could win. Nobody looks good coming out of this. It's it's hurt either a little bit. It'll take him a long time for him to get back to any sort of main event legitimacy. Skull loses all of the credibility that he got by beating Hero Clean, but because he needed two banana peel finishes in his last two defenses, um, to win those uh, matches. I still think Skull's a credible champion, though. I think. I mean, who else is there that, that has that level of credibility? Well, I, I just... I, I feel like these bullshit finishes have really hit me hard and almost made me lose faith in progress a little bit. I think um, I'm going to the Chapter 35 this Sunday. I'm still very much a progress fan. I just... I did not take kindly to them booking two bullshit finishes in a row the way they did. Well, I... Chapter 33, I, I sat through it uh, amidst an awful lot of other wrestling, and I just thought, uh, you know, I wasn't that into it, but um, the, the one match really delivered, uh, you know, Osprey and, and Haskins. And I was mm. like, well, Haskins is going to Brixton. I'm really on board for that. So, you know, I, I came away from being, this is fine, which is different to 34, which uh, when I watched Chapter 34, I was like, I, I fucking love this company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's the kind of show that was. We'll move on to chapter 34 now, and we'll talk about the Atlas tournament group stage finale matches um, yeah. first. Dave Mastiff beating Easton Rees to qualify for the semifinals. Rees ends it with zero points, but I thought he acquitted himself well in this tournament. I would like to see him back. He suffers from looking a lot, way too much like Chris Masters. <laughs> if he got like uh, a haircut somebody, or something. Somebody had to say it. Yeah. But he get a haircut or something, and this guy is very good. He may look a little generic when he first comes out, but he has tons of personality when he actually starts yeah. wrestling. And his moves look really good because he's such a big guy, and like he can manhandle guys. I think he did they... that massive fall-away slam in this match. It was like mm-hmm. a huge fall-away slam on Dave Mastiff, who is a, a genuinely heavy guy. Yeah. This guy could definitely do something somewhere for someone, <laughs> but I don't feel like Progress ever had the intention of booking him. No, I don't think so. Way. I think he was just there for the numbers. I mean, yeah. the, the way that the way that they booked him, he's been it was an hidden, hidden away. I mean, he's done okay with it, but I think they'll probably leave him for a while now and uh, maybe come back to him when they've actually got something worth doing, which I'd be fine with because I think he's like I say he's acquitted himself well, but. He will need to kind of go away for a bit. Yeah. Uh, the other Atlas match was Joe Kofi versus Michael Dante. Joe Coffey, even. I've got to stop screwing that up with my awful southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, Coffey, once again, looked really good here. Um, Dante, not as not as good, but still pretty decent. Um, they had I, a I've solid nev- big man match. I've never gotten over the... Um, 
the way that Michael Dante does forearms where it's, he doesn't oh, move his so, left arm. It's so <laughs> putting. He, he it's, doesn't move his other arm. He just it's sort of, jarring. So it's, once you notice it, it's, <laughs> it's just there screaming at you going, I'm not moving my arm. I'm not moving it. Move move your arm just a bit. <laughs> it just looks like he has like a permanently broken left arm. It's it's disconcerting, definitely. Yeah, I can't get past that. But Coffee is really dynamic, and I hope he goes to the final. I hope the final is brown Coffee. It makes sense. They had yeah. the only draw in the group stage. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think said that, that like a, uh, as soon as they had that draw, I was like, I really hope it's the final because that was a fantastic. Looking match, at it, they logically, didn't have a lot of time with the semi-finals being Brown versus T-Bone and Coffee yeah. versus Mastiff. It's ninety nine percent sure it's going to be uh, Rampage Brown versus Joe Coffee because T Bone won all his group stage matches so that he could be the giant for Rampage Brown to slay, and yeah. Dave Mastiff is almost certainly going to be in whatever match the Origin have at uh, Brixton. So I think the Atlas final will be the rematch of the draw, which was a very good match, one of the best in progress this year. Yeah, they really leathered each other in that match. Yeah. As soon as that match was over, I was like, I want that again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, so yeah, that, that was the final I was hoping I'm 99% for sure that, that will be the Atlas Finals. And if that match delivers, this has been a, a decent tournament marred by weird block booking that doesn't didn't make any sense and Progress should never do blocks ever again. <laughs> Too many uh, things went wrong. They kept, having, they yeah, kept like, getting injured. Every and... single match had some guy get injured or... Just and they got tags unable to get the... thrown in there, and uh, yeah, it just all went wrong. But I, I think if the semi-finals deliver and the final deliver, that's all they really needed. Uh, moving on to Tommy End wins, he gets a shot at Marty Skull. Uh, Tommy End versus Marty Skull's hand-picked opponents, Zach Gibson <sighs> and complete geek Mikey Whiplash. Who? Oh, he's a geek. <laughs> <laughs> Not even not five, geek, not five seconds geek. after stepping through the curtain, gets smashed in the back by a chair shot from Michael Dante, thrown into the back, and never seen from again. Every, yep. Like, nothing Mikey Whiplash can do works. Literally seconds into every one of his appearances, he's fallen flat on his face. <laughs> he he got kicked in the head by Tommy in the moment the lights came back on in the Super Strong Style final. He lost to he Mark Andrews stung. in a minute. <laughs> What a geek. What a loser. Oh, he's been terrible. <laughs> if they're planning on using him at any point going forwards, they're going to have to like completely rebuild him from the ground up because, well, he's just nothing, is he? I, just... <laughs> <laughs> I hope Haskins at chapter 35 squashes him in 30 seconds. <laughs> I hope I... he does beat him quickly. Because he's got no credibility. I mean, we're talking about credibility killing in the promotion. It's like Whiplash has got no credit, like none. <laughs> like he's above Damon Moser, and that's it. I don't think he is. Well, he beat Damon Moser in the strong style, but but, but Damon had himself a, a really competitive and not good this match is, against Nathan true. Cruz afterwards. So <laughs> at least he has that in the back. Whiplash has got nothing. He has jealousy, and that's it. Um. But yes, Tommy N versus Zach Gibson. Um, I liked this match, but I got filtered through my what I'm calling Tommy End fatigue, which oh. is um, that the way he's been booked in progress for the last few months has been very odd. He hasn't been he's he's leaving in a month. He's out the door in a month, and yet they 
refuse to put anyone over him, he comprehensively defeats or gets visual binfuls over every single one of his opponents. He's constantly referred to as, oh, look at this massive badass, look at his awesome kicks. I, I will use the term sparingly, but he's the Mary Sue of progress. He can do no wrong, he's infallible, and for some reason he's now in the progress main event um, in Brixton. Well, this is the perfect opportunity to screw him out of that and just mm. have him wrestle somebody else. Mikey Whiplash. <laughs> uh, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I just it seemed a bit odd to me. I, um, I really like Tommy End. I, I keep sticking up for him when like you and Rob are bashing him because his strikes look absolutely yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I will, pr- I will so suffix good. my rant on him by saying that he has inarguably the best strikes in wrestling. They look so believable. They... Like they look painful, they make the crowd go wild every single time. It's just the bits in between those that I'm down on, and I think um where he's going next will be beneficial to him. He'll have more uh like more of a he'll have a producer on his matches. He'll yeah. have more of a filter for his work, and I think less is more with Tommy End. And sometimes he tries to do too much, and it all just kind of blurs together. So I think if he I, the, you know the style he's about to adopt will help him. His his biggest fault is that he uses a strike as a finish. And he uses so many strikes during a match, because they look great, so he's using his best offense like yeah. all the time, that the, he uses a roundhouse as a finish. It doesn't look anywhere near as good as all his knees. Yeah, we, we have been over this before, but yeah. <laughs> it, well, the the roundhouse a is a disappointing issue. finisher. He needs a slam, he needs to go back to the double foot stomp, whatever it I, is. Trouble is, you can't really use the double foot stomp because he's going to uh, yeah. NXT and you won't be able to use it. Although, uh, this is a, a, one of the wacky theories that popped into my head. Um, were, were you watching uh, Ring of Honor back when CM Punk was there? Well, that is before your time. It's before my time, I believe. Um, what They had like the Summer of Punk uh, where they knew he was leaving, like he was going to go to the uh, WWE. Um, he was signed and he was going to go. Uh, so he had a title match as is like his last match in the territory. Mm. And he won the title and then turned heel and stayed for like the rest of the summer when everyone thought he was gone for that day. Are we going to so get I'm... the winter of end? I was kind of looking at it and thinking, well, Progress are really chummy with like William Regal, yeah, uh, and then boys uh, over in NXT in the Performance Center and that. So I was just looking at it thinking, well, what if he wins and then goes, "Thank you so much, but I'm taking this belt to NXT." Goodbye. <laughs> and then they have to force him to come back and defend it. I mean, the, I don't know if he's the right guy to do that. But having said that, he he is a very charismatic promo. I think I, I can see him pulling that off. I think heel Tommy End would appeal to me a lot more than I, I'm tired with babyface Tommy End. I'm not tired with Tommy End in general. I'm just tired with his presentation as like this super badass can do no wrong, such a lovely guy. He should be. He's <laughs> he's literally like uh, the anti-hero. He like um, has all the satanic references on literally his body. 
He yeah. well, that's that's he, what makes him a baby face in, uh, in progress. <laughs> he should be evil. He I think he would be a really. I think if they do do the Winter of End, that could genuinely be intriguing. And if that, he's a heel on cutting heel promos, well, that would could, actually be really fun. It would be a fresh Tommy End, and he needs he could have freshening like, up. Like Dante and Whiplash watching his back, so he has like this this crew of guys that cheat on his behalf. I, the the only problem is I don't think they'll let them do it. Um, I know they're kind of borrowing Champa for this show, and mm. you know they they have that good relationship, but um, I, I'm not sure they'd let them book the, the you know the main event series around Tommy Ed. But if they do it. I'll be all in on it, like completely all in. So I think it'd be a great storyline. The one uh, thing that does worry me with um, the triple threat is that well, actually, there's two things that worry me. The one, one is that Haskins and End have no beef. They like they have, they're both their common enemy is Skull, and it sort of it makes it a weird dynamic because you have got two guys pursuing Skull, and they're not really going after each other. So Skull's almost in like a handicap match here. He's just going to get taken out by both guys. It's odd to put the heel at that kind of disadvantage and have no beef between the faces to make them logically want to fight each other. It is, but I think you can get around that. Like early in the match, you have Tommy N miscue, or I don't know if you uh, remember the the spot they did in the Haskins and Skull tag. Uh, but basically Haskins miscued and, and super kicked Laura Di Matteo. Yeah. Um, they could be hinting at Haskins not being very good at playing with others. He's just not, <laughs> not used to that. He's more of a singles guy. So they could have them team up, and then one of them miscues on the other, and they go you know, hell for leather in, in a brawl, like a ba- big baby-faced brawl, and Skill just kicks back and watches. Uh, my second worry is that who is going to get pinned? Um, if we're to believe that N, this is N's final match and... He's not going to come back, so the winter event isn't going to happen. Uh-huh. Surely you'd want him jobbing you, on the way you out. Would definitely want him if they're not. If they are definitely like this is his last uh, match in progress, which it probably is, then he definitely gets pinned. But then, Skull escapes the bigger show they've ever run without getting any comeuppance. Maybe he doesn't win the title. Maybe he loses the title, but he doesn't but- get pinned, and it's an odd. That would uh, give, him, give, him a, give him an excuse that he would come back and, and get a shot at Haskins but as I, a former champion. I, I, I just think that it would work so much better if it was simply Mark Haskins, the face, pins Marty Skull, the annoying heel who's held the title for months and months. And that's that. That's your big moment. It, yeah, that would Tommy End being there confuses things, which makes me think that they might well run the Winter of End thing, just because him being there is so unclean, it doesn't make any sense. No, so it it's almost, it, I think they might be setting up to something. <laughs> you might be right there. Yeah, that, well, normally I, I try and throw out as many wacky theories as I can. Eventually <laughs> one of them will come off. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I know what you mean though, because they're billing this as their, their big show. So this is their WrestleMania. This is mm-hmm. the, this is the big payoff. And the big payoff, if they're running it like a, like a conventional wrestling company, which they don't like doing, then Haskins wins because you have to have Haskins win because he's the baby face. He's the one that's been trying to get this win forever and ever and ever. And the crowd are going to love it if he wins, which is why I think they might throw that curveball and have something else happen. I don't. The one thing I can't see happening is skill retaining. 
Yeah, he's, he's losing. He's not losing. Not happen. <laughs> but it's just how. I I'm more convinced than ever after this uh, chat that uh, Tommy ends winning. <laughs> well, I sold you on a wacky theory. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sold. Uh, we'll move on to the South Pacific Power Trip. Uh, Travis Banks, T.K. Cooper, and Dahlia Black versus. Uh, Jack Sexsmith, Roy Johnson, and Pollyanna, who I've labelled in our run sheet as the Jobbers. <laughs> Rather oh, harshly. I, I don't actually have the run sheet up at the moment. I have my. Uh... Oh, I've lost it. Um... Oh yeah. <laughs> Harsh. Harsh. Harsh, but I think fair in this situation because the absolute stars of this match were the Power Trip, and they all looked. Really, really good here, especially Travis Banks. This this match, I was not expecting a, a, a thing from this match. <laughs> it over delivered so much. It, it might even be like I would say the second best match on the show. It's that good. Um, all of the, the South Pacific guys were just fantastic. Uh, Travis Banks dived <laughs> in this, the tope, where he just kills Jack Sexsmith with it. Like, he hit it in about, like, a second. He was, it, you saw him setting up for it, and he'd already done it by the time he'd, like, registered that it was going to happen. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> Wiped him out. <laughs> and um, uh, the, the stuff they did to get Roy Johnson over in this match, the, the like, Banks and, and Cooper, they were both just bouncing around, like, pinballing around mm-hmm. to, to get over Roy and Johnson's And the, the trio moves as well. So they, did like a, they did, like, a magic killer with Dahlia Black, like, yeah, stomping on the, the guy. Yeah, doing the double stomp on the, on the top of Excellent. it. And, and it, like oh, it all looked Pollyanna. so clean as well. They didn't like botch or like make like slow down a single time. Like they were That's just hitting crazy. these triple team moves with and the greatest of the V's. And my favourite part of the match is Pollyanna getting all fired up on TK Cooper <laughs> and, and just beating the shit out of him. I I, I liked that. Um, I've labelled them the jobbers here, but I liked that they got their comeuppances without having to beat the power trip. Like Pollyanna got her revenge on TK Cooper punching her all the all in all these different matches <laughs> for for literally no reason. Uh, Sexsmith got revenge on Cooper. Cooper took a lot of offense from everyone here because he deserved it. it. But ultimately, the Power Trip won because they're the better team and they have the feature. They're the regular team and they're going to be in the tag division. And these well, other guys are just going to move on to other undercard silliness. Well, they're, they're definitely going up the card. Like Banks and yeah. Cooper are just so good. <laughs> and I think this match, if like, somebody isn't on board for what, what they're doing, they have to see this match because Roy Johnson is, is really green. Uh, Jack Sexsmith is a comedy guy. These, these two are not what you would call good wrestlers. They're good at what they do so far. But I don't think either one of them... You uh, If you're listing the wrestlers that were on this show in order of how uh, technically talented they were, I think you probably put like Johnson and Sexsmith at the bottom of the mm-hmm. list. But this match was like just so over-delivered. It's so good. <laughs> um, that's, that's how good they are. South Pacific Power Trip. I'm all in on these guys. One thing I didn't like about the match was... Um... Travis Banks uh, lariating Pollyanna being like billed as like a horrendous heel move that he couldn't possibly ever uh, show his face in public again after doing it when they explicitly stated that uh, uh, moves between the genders was legal in the match and it was fine. So 
I I'm 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 worried. Like I'm not worried, but I'm like uh a bit off put by billing Pollyanna as like this badass, but then you suddenly like call her all a defensive woman getting hit by a man just because I, she got took one bump. I don't think it's so much the it being like a bump. I think it's the fact that it was that lariat that killed uh, Jack Sexsmith. Because he had him do the. Um, that's how he lost the singles match with TK Cooper, is because Travis Banks just twatted him with this this lariat. <laughs> so it was the fact that it was that move. I think that's why okay. he got that much heat. It, but like the commentary, I think like specifically said like, oh, oh, what a what a dastardly guy <laughs> Travis Banks is for hitting a woman. What a heel! But it's just like, well, that's part of the match. All the competitors have agreed to yeah. it. If if Pollyanna wasn't you, you in the don't. match or Travis Banks wasn't in the match, yeah, it would be a heel move. But just because of her gender, that doesn't make it a heel move. It's it's just something that happened. I, I kind of got that from the crowd that they were like, "Ooh, you swine!" <laughs> that was the kind of reaction uh, that came from them. But great match, though. Great match. Yeah, definitely over delivered on what anyone thought was going to happen. And another Speaking match. Speaking of over delivering. Over delivering. <laughs> London Wright going... versus War Machine rematch yeah. in Tornado Tag. And Jesus Christ. This was guys flying around everywhere and War Machine acquitting themselves very, very well. This was just fucking ridiculous. <laughs> um, when, when I said I thought it'd be better as like a Tornado Tag, I didn't realize it was going to be that much better. Um. This is, I think she's genuinely a contender for like the best match in progress this year. It's up there with probably everything apart from uh, uh, the hero skill match that you don't even like. And <laughs> the, um, I'll try to remember what else was it? Uh, Osprey and um, Osprey and Skull from, from, from the first from, like, show of the year. January, I think yeah. that is still my progress match of the year. I would say this is is up there with that. I'd say this is probably number three. I'd put it in my top ten, maybe not my top five. It's up there. I just I was not expecting it to be anywhere near this good. It was it was blow away good for me. And I think the crowd reacted to that as well. Especially the, the two when, teams uh, definitely work very well together. They were clearly like talking all week about things that they could do and they pulled them off really well. Yeah, it's just crazy big man dives and, and strong style everywhere and just ah oh. <laughs> and the the false finish they did with the moonsault the crowd was up the crowd was like up on their feet to give war machine a standing ovation for winning the titles and there's a kick out it was insane yeah you, but riots came off looking really good like here that. like well, war machine don't lose anything by losing the riots gain a lot by winning like this is a very good legitimate victory not a fucking dazzler team victory this was oh, like yeah. Them well, acquitting the themselves over as, as the champions. Yeah, and they've, to be fair, they've set up two strong heel teams to challenge them. Uh, I presume the power trip will get the shot at Brixton, and then I don't know who they fill the time with to get to Birmingham, but they have to do riots versus uh, British strong style in Birmingham. Maybe even as the main event because that would be crazy. Well, unless they do it sort of before then, and that's the rematch. Yeah, potentially. Because I can see them winning, winning the titles. Otherwise, you know, what, where else are they going with this? Mm. I think, I think the power trip get the shot at Brixton, though. I'd be fine with that. I really, I think it'd be a great match. Mm-hmm. 
uh, we'll move on to Jack Gallagher versus El Ligero, and <laughs> this was a very good comedy match. <laughs> I I laughed my ass off watching this. I, I felt that um, they possibly could have uh, just changed gears, like in the final third, and just done something that was that would take it up up and across like four stars. Because uh, everything worked fine, and until I felt that they just kept doing it a little bit too long. But the comedy that they did do in this match was just fantastic. Legera's charisma is just off the charts. Like, well, it's like Legera, <laughs> as soon as he walked out there, um, like he immediately he's he's fucking around with uh, Joe Atherton, the uh, the fan that's in the the wheelchair. What a, what a prize asshole that he was! was tremendous. It? He's like pushing him around, and then he gets yeah. like, pushed over by him. And then blames Hilarious. the floor. The floor's slip. <laughs> the floor's slippery. <laughs> like he's just he's got such great uh like um body movement. Like, he's just <laughs> he conveys so much emotion just like flailing his arms around. Um I have uh, a little bit of an origin conspiracy theory point here. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if you noticed this, but three origin members in action on this show, only one of them came out to Origins Music, and that was El Ligero. Okay. So I'm just wondering what was going on there. I, I know Ligero basically can't come out to his own music, and it might just be that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I kind of think that Progress are the kind of company that think these things through and that you know things happen for a reason, and I don't mm. know if there's like a little subtle hint there. I think we'll find out what the origin is going to be doing at Brixton on chapter thirty-five. Um, but they've all been losing. I yeah, I don't know if you noticed they're in a uh, two of them are in a four-way. Yes, and it's Gibson and El Ligero. We also haven't seen Nathan Cruz around since the Damon Mosa match, while, so yeah. that could just be he's not available. There's, or... there's something going on, and and the fact that there is something going on actually makes the origin interesting again. Yeah, because I'm wondering what it is. We we had the phase when they were just doing the Dragon Gate multi-mans, and they were fun, but ultimately kind of meaningless. Uh, this yeah, feels some of, some of like the tags all... that they, they did when they were tag champs were really good, mm-hmm. like uh, Cruz and Ligero. But um, yeah, I kind of wanted something to happen with that angle, because it, it's just felt like it's been just kind of plodding along for quite a long time now. Yeah, they've been together for over a year, so yeah. I, th- I think at Brixton... It looks like we're going to get a if Origin loses, they must expand kind of match. They could be going in a completely different direction, but I think uh, the way it's all going it's going to be Gallagher, FSU. I'm saying Gallagher because it's easier to roll off the tongue. Gallagher. Gallagher. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> what's going on there? So Gallagher, FSU, and probably Damon Moser versus the Origin. Moser would make sense, wouldn't it? With some steps on the line. Steps. Um, yeah, there's there's so much fun stuff in this match. I'm trying to remember some of it, like um, the because the pre-match list thing, the, the gimmick that um El Ligero has got going now, where yeah. he kind of gets uh, Jim Small to list off his achievements, like uh, having I can't remember how many matches he claimed he'd wrestled in in one day, like Bogner <laughs> Regis and <laughs> Minehead. Um, but then Gallagher's like list to come back um, included the uh, two facts I wasn't aware of. Uh, one, that he'd beaten Kendo Nagasaki when he was four. <laughs> and secondly, that his moustache is made of solid steel. I wouldn't doubt it. 
these these are good things to know. Gallagher, I think, has definitely improved since he got the Cruiserweight Classic gig. I think it's given him more confidence to oh, just yeah. go out and do what he does. I, he may be too silly for some's tastes. I don't know uh, what Rob thinks about him, but... <laughs> Rob's grumpy, so... Yeah. He could. He has time later in his career to serious up a bit. I think he was getting nowhere being the serious grappler. I think he, oh, he's found a niche kind of what I, as... what I got from this match, though. Like I was saying, it, it kind of... It was two-thirds of it. I was really into the comedy, and then I was kind of waiting for them to do something a bit better, <laughs> you know, more serious towards the end, and it never came. So, uh, yeah, I, if Rob disliked it for that reason, I could totally get that. I, I think Gallagher should keep doing what he's doing for now and evolve his character when the time is right. I think mm. what he's doing now is really good and it's getting him over and getting attention. Then later he can have these amazing like four-star-plus matches every night uh, if he, and when he's capable of it. I think he will be, yeah. I, he's getting that way. I'm looking forward to uh, to what he does when he kind of moves up. Because he's kind of bubbling under. Yeah. And I think they're trying to uh, have him do these these goofy comedy things so that they don't need to book him into like really important matches. But I, they will come. I, I, I definitely think so. And he's doing a very good job with what he's doing right now. He's king of the mid-card in progress. <laughs> um, the next match, uh, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, Mark oh, Skell yeah. and Ginny versus Mark yeah. Haskins and Laura DiMatteo. Um, they made a point of saying that uh, this was going to be like different rules to the previous uh, mixed tag match. This was going to be like uh, no contact between the genders. But it actually ended up being kind of more contact or at least like more spots between the guys and the girls getting involved yeah. in each other's feuds and I really enjoyed that. I thought everyone in this match was very on point with the timings and they got they got through a lot of like complicated movements and complicated like match layout and they got through it very very well and made everything look very natural and the guys and girls got involved with each other in very logical and fun ways in like it's f fresh matchups that way. Like, you thought maybe you'd just be getting to see two feuds continue. Yeah, that's But you kind of got I... a lot of very unique stuff in this match. Mm. Well, it's what, when, uh, when they named the, the match, I was like, oh, I can see what they're doing. You know, they're having Skull and Haskins wrestle each other without really wrestling each other. Um, so I wasn't looking forward to it in, in any kind of way. And the, when they walked out there, I, I kind of got the feeling that Haskins and DiMatteo, they didn't particularly want to be teaming together. But it's just the... The way that they put the match together, it was structured really well. They planned it out well. Um, if it wasn't for the um, Travis Banks tope from like earlier in the night, <laughs> we would be talking about that uh, the stereo tope that uh, Haskins and, and Di Matteo did because Laura absolutely killed Ginny <laughs> with that tope. It killed she, her. She's she's found what she's good at and she's gonna do it. She, she's the <laughs> queen of topes. <laughs> Um, I also like the um, uh, Laura doing the the Rana off the top um, after she kind of attempted it and just just made an absolute pig's ear out of it in the singles match with Ginny, mm. uh, where she just botched the thing up twice and like fell off the rope. Um, like she was really careful about getting up there, but I was, I was pleased for her hitting it. 
The women looked a lot better in this match than they did in the singles match. Uh, yeah. I don't know why, maybe, like, they laid the match out better, or just left, like, it was a very spotty match, so everyone knew what they were doing at all times, there wasn't any, you know, yeah. get heat segments. Yeah, they, they the planned out. They planned it out well, and um, this this was another match that just completely over delivered. It was it mm -hmm. was a lot better than I was expecting. I, I was not expecting a lot from this match at all. I was kind of just yeah, let's get to the main event. This is just a road two tag or whatever. But it ended yeah. up being a very unique beast because of the way um, the guys and the girls interacted with each other. And it's just something we've never really seen before, and uh, it made both Ginny and Laura look more important by being on the level yeah. of those main Absolutely. event guys and interacting I with them. I was, I was about to make that exact same point. And uh, I think this is, uh, that I've seen, I would say this is the best match I've, that Ginny and Laura have been in. Yeah, I would say so as well. I'm I'm definitely a lot more on board for their eventual Brixton match than I was before this one. And I still have high hopes for that match. I know that uh, their original singles match was kind of poor, but I think... Like they'll throw well, steps into that, they'll throw a no DQ yeah. or whatever. They need, onto they need it, some smoke and mirrors in there. Well, the the trouble I had with that match was uh, it was going fine until there was a botch, and then it just went off the rails. Yeah, they didn't know how to adjust. They, I guess. Yeah, they didn't get they didn't get the the match back on track after the, the I think it was the Rana off the top that she botched that twice, and they didn't really get the back on the same page afterwards. So basically, um, as long as they savage steamboat it and meticulously plan it, yeah, it could be really it. awesome. <laughs> I could say, uh, Laura DiMatteo, I, she's such a good baby face. She's got so much like heart. She's, she's definitely got something. She's she's still green right now, but I think there's a lot of potential there. And Ginny's just a very good heel and a good shit talker. Yeah, I I get the feeling one of these days I'm going to be watching like a highlight reel of Laura DiMatteo's craziest topes, <laughs> and it's going to be like like 15 minutes of like insane dives, and it's going to be joyous <laughs> to watch because she does a better tope than uh, you know like Sasha Banks, and she's supposed to be the best women's wrestler in the world. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't argue with that. <laughs> so yeah, we'll move on to the main event, which was um, a Brit Rest Fest. Uh, Will Ospreay, the best of the Super Juniors, versus Zack Sabre Jr., uh, king of the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, they're, they're both <laughs> wearing a lot of uh, Union flag uh, yeah. attire. Yeah, they even like showed it off at the beginning. They did like yeah. a little photo op. Yeah. I I was I also enjoyed Sabre Jr. just coming out with a big bandage on his head and just like <laughs> for like five minutes, no one explaining what had happened. Yeah, I just, it, was, it kind of it reminded me of like Blackadder or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they've done that spot in Blackadder where like just some guy has. Or I think it was Forty Towers where uh, Basil's like just walking around with like a bandage over his head like, in the German episode. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. It made <laughs> me think towers, of Basil Fawlty yes. doing the doing the chicken walk with uh <laughs> with the Germans in the hotel. That's I mentioned the war a couple of times, but I think I got away with it. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Where do we go from there? <laughs> the match? <laughs> yeah, we should probably talk about the match instead of the war. Um, I like the, the, the dynamic that they had here was good again. Uh, you had like uh, Osprey doing his cocky uh, deal mm -hmm. where he came in and he just thought, oh, I just need to turn up and win. <laughs> I'm the best of the super juniors this guy's just a junior I'm going to beat him 
Uh, and then just getting his arm torn off and. <laughs> Yeah, they were playing the on face. very similar themes to their match in Rev Pro, whereby Sabre Jr. just schooled him throughout the match, and Osprey paid for his cockiness. Uh, I like the way he worked his uh, uh, like flippier spots into the match, though, because it got to the point where it just happened to be it just you know all the pieces fell in line, and like Osprey is so fast that you can hit one of those dives off the ropes and. It'd just be perfectly natural, like as natural as a headlock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the way they brought that into there, um, and like the big slaps, and Osprey basically turning himself heel by kicking the fuck out of Saber when he's on the mat, which is <laughs> how Saber got himself turned heel <laughs> in yeah. in Rev Pro, and then and then stopping because he realised that he crossed the line, and he just kind of like, no, nah, I'm a nice bloke, you know. Yeah, I'm not, I did I'm not like how. The commentary made a point of saying that Osprey wasn't targeting the head because he's like that he considered this like an exhibition match and uh like he didn't want to hurt Saber Junior. He just wanted to win. Um, whereas Saber Junior had no qualms just going after the head and neck of Osprey. <laughs> well, the, the finish of the match, he's got like uh, Osprey's um, limbs all tied up and he's stamping yeah. on his head. He's going <laughs> to win however he wants to. So again, they're sort of playing off of this storyline where Osprey is sort of taking it light and easy and having fun, and his opponent is being brutal and vicious and has more of a goal. This was sort of Sabre Jr.'s warm-up match for Tommaso Ciampa at uh, Brixton, whereas Osprey is sort of... he's He doesn't have a goal in progress, he's just turning up and having fun, and it's costing yeah. him the matches. That's, which in itself is a good storyline. So, I don't know if Osprey's going to be on Brixton. I think does Brixton happen during destruction? It's the oh, living on there. Let me let me look. I've got a list of shit that <laughs> will be in there. Um. Uh, yeah. Uh, New Japan's destruction in Kobe is on the twenty fifth of September. So that is the the big third show. I'm pretty sure yeah. he's on it. So Osprey isn't going to so, be no. at Brixton. So. The thing they're doing with him is more of a long-term thing. It's not like a lot of these stories that we've been talking about are building to a Brixton match, as they rightly should be. But Osprey is just kind of floating around on the edges, um, not meaningful to the plot, taking losses, and it'd, I like that. It'd be that. interesting to see how far they take that storyline, because they've put uh, Haskins over him, which is fine. He's the main event. They've put uh, Skirl over him, which is fine. He's the main event. And they've put Sabre over him, because... Semi main event, but you know how far will this go? Will they start having him lose to like Zach Gibson, Damon Mosler, <laughs> push him up? I no, not that far. <laughs> um, or Jack Gallagher, maybe. I could see Gallagher, yeah, because I think the first guy that they do that with is going to be set up by it. You know, it's going to really bump him up the card. And what does this lead eventually to an Osprey heel turn? I would like to see him work heel, sir, because he, he can be a real shit. <laughs> a I think he's best prick. when he's a real shit. I think he's yeah. best. I think he's the most charismatic and the most interesting when he is ultra cocky. And I kind of would say most relatable as well, because this is a guy who's like well, literally amazing and everyone thinks he's incredible, but he's still just kind of a from, child. Apart from so, that Daniel guy doesn't like him. The... Um, <laughs> I can see him turning heel if 
I don't think if like if or when is the correct uh, term, but like if he wins that belt off Kushida, the uh, super the uh, Tokyo the jun- <laughs> Junior Heavy. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at that. So like when they start kicking into those shows, he's got an actual belt that he can carry around and go. Oh, yeah. This, this, this means I'm the shit, best then. in the world. <laughs> a best of the Progress Super Juniors. Progress belt doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a lot of that. fun. There's a lot of things I can do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, like, as an overall, I thought this, apart from, like, uh, the Strong Style uh, 16 shows, I thought this is the best Progress show of the year. There was no weak point on this show for me. I My Tommy and Teague hurt his match a little bit. And the Atlas matches were kind of just there, but everything else was very fun and felt unique and like stuff yeah, I think that we haven't really seen over, in progress before. If you skipped over like Mastiff and Reese in the opener, I think that that card after that is just phenomenal. I thought both of the intergender matches did really well, uh, interacting different people who we haven't really seen before, and uh, the power trip have gotten themselves over incredibly well and Travis Banks looks like a legitimate future star of the indies and Gallagher Laguerre was fun, Riot's War Machine was really fun main event was fun it felt like an antidote to the last couple of bullshit shows which left sour taste in my mouth so if, you, if you put this next to, like we had 33 like right before this, I thought 33 was alright um, with like one really good match Whereas this was like top to bottom, it was just a really good card. Really, good I card. would completely agree with you. And it's that and uh, a certain match that's coming up is the reason why I bought a ticket to Chapter Thirty Five. Um, we have the Atlas semi-finals on that show that we've already covered: uh, Joe Coffey versus Dave Mastiff and Rampage Brown versus T Bone. Uh, we've already talked about that. We have uh, two debuts. Uh, in the women's division, uh, we've got Alex Windsor versus Nixon Newell. And Nixon is an excited one. Yes. Yeah. Um, Ale- Alex Windsor uh, reminds me an awful lot of Beth Phoenix. She's that, uh, She's very strong. She's very powerful. Um, but she's a- athletically gifted. Mm. And she is not the best of these two wrestlers. Nixon Newell is... Just bubbling under the kind of level that, say, Tony Storm and that are on. Um, it was a very good pick for. Was it Ian picked her in the uh, the draft? I can't remember anymore, but <laughs> it I wasn't me and it wasn't remember. you. So it wasn't me. And I was pissed Rob off was really it. annoyed with uh, his uh, female picks. So yeah, I think it was Ian. <laughs> I think it was Ian. He had the only other um, girls better than that is another one that Ian picked, which is Kaylee Ray. Um, so I think if they're heading towards doing this uh, this big women's tournament, which they are, I don't know when it is, but it's the next Natural Progression series, I think you'd be looking at those three being added to the ones that they've already got. I think Newell um, is a shoe-in for that. Um, I've oh, be. never seen Alex Windsor in her current incarnation. I've seen her as Liberty, and she was, yeah, just there, kind of okay. Yeah, so she's getting be better. To see. I kind of forgot about her. When uh, when we were doing the Euro draft, I I completely forgot about her. But uh, I yeah. had her on my list, but obviously not high enough to draft her. Yeah, she's improving. She's improving a lot, and I think you're gonna have like Nixon Newell is gonna be like a top end 
uh, lady's talent for for progress. Yeah, as she is going to be everywhere. But you need you need to have Tony Storm on more shows. <laughs> I said any promoter in the world, you need to have more Tony Storm. <laughs> we have a four way between. Eddie Dennis, El Ligero, Jack Gallagher, and Zach Gibson, and what you were saying about the the themes and Ligero using the origin theme and Gibson not could come to a head here. I, I don't know if Gibson is... Trouble is, like if you split the group up, somebody has to turn face. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, more, more face than they are now, and I don't see any of them turning face. No, because Ligero is just such a fun heel He's right too now, good as a heel. The other three are just, you know, <laughs> they're natural heels. Yeah, I'd say Cruz is the one that might, possibly. Ooh, I don't. Uh, he's come across as, like with the whole deal where he missed the show because of a tryout. I don't think he, him as a face in progress would work. Uh, Mastiff has been a face, but kind of an uninteresting one. He's much better as the heel version, and unless, Gibson can never turn heel. Obviously, unless, or turn face the, even. They might just have them all fight each other. Yeah. And just all remain heel, possibly. I, <laughs> um, I think this will lead to the four and four we talked about earlier. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But it's a, it's certainly a different match to anything that we're used to seeing. Uh, next up we have Mark Haskins versus Mike Whiplash. Hopefully Haskins beats him in like a minute flat and <laughs> says, I'm fucking coming for Get you, Tommy. Get that geek. <laughs> Uh, unless we unless we find out that uh, Whiplash and End were in cahoots all along, or some some odd thing happens, I don't know what they're doing with Whiplash particularly, other than making him a complete jobber. <laughs> um, unless they they want to really like try and to start building him back up, but then I wouldn't do that against Haskins because he's got no. the title shot. So I think I Haskins squashes him. I think that's what happens here. Well, we need we need a couple more squashes in progress. I think there aren't there aren't enough just dominant victories. Um, we have British Strong Style versus the men that they turned on, Tyler Bate and Damian Dunn. I don't really see like Bate and, and Damian as as a tag team. <laughs> no, it's... I think they will be uh, potentially feuding after this. I I don't think they'll even make it through this match. Again, I think this is another just a dominant victory to establish British Strong Style and maybe put over Tyler Bate as a sympathetic loser who has no friends. <laughs> Aww. He's younger we than like me, him. I can bully him. <laughs> <laughs> He's quite large, though. Uh... Mm. Well, I wouldn't bully him to his face, obviously, but uh, I can <laughs> I can uh, make him the sting of progress if I want to. What, with the face paint and like a, a <laughs> flat top? Uh, thinking more no friends and like the people he tags with will turn on him. I can see that. I can see that. Well, I, I don't think Damien Dunn's going to make it through this match. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they might just like You'd... kill Damien Dunn in Progress Cannon here. Because <laughs> he's probably not coming back after this one. I'm... Yeah, it's, it's too bad for him. His brother is like like a way, way mm. better wrestler. The, 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 um... Pete, Pete Dunn taking off has definitely hurt Damien Dunn. He, maybe he, he needs like a complete gimmick repackage, I think. Just to get him away or, from or he, the done name, or he just needs to get a lot better. <laughs> I don't know if that's the uh, thing. Is like, the kind of I think he's really good on. in tags with uh, Pete Dunn. Yeah, it's just Pete Dunn shouldn't be in tags anymore with him because he's above that now. Yeah, he's upgraded. It's a catch twenty two. He he just needs a repackage. I, yeah, like I said, though, I can't see him coming back for a while. 
um, Damien. I think this is the last match we see him in for, for quite some time. In progress. F- fun police report, Ryan Smile. Then we have the match that sold my ticket Will Ospreay versus Shane Strickland, a rematch of the WXW 16 karat gold match. Yeah, that was fun. It was incredible. And this has a shot of being even better, and I can't wait. And even if the rest of the show completely tanks, as long as this match is awesome, I'm happy. (laughs) And I think you, you have to put Ospreay over here to keep him strong. Otherwise, if he's losing to absolutely everyone, then <laughs> it's going to be like a oh, here comes Osprey to lose to someone, which is weird because like you you never would have thought that like six months ago even, but it's kind of getting that way. So this is going to be a good showcase match, a good bit uh, exhibitiony, but I'm fine with that. I think it has a shot of being the best progress match of the year, even if it is just exhibitiony. I think it could just be incredible. Because the WXW match was incredible, and I'm jealous of the live crowd. Mm. So now I get to experience it for myself live. Well, they didn't and... get dub music when they were there live. <laughs> they got the full-on Uptown Funk. Um... I, I don't think there'll be any dancing in this one. They've sort of suggested on Twitter it'll be a bit more of a competition. Like, they're having a bit of a back and forth on Twitter. Oh, really? I didn't see any of that. I, it's just a friendly one. It's not like a, you know, <laughs> a Vader deal, but... I've been yeah, busy said, this like, week. Maybe, maybe a bit less dancing this time. Just a bit less. Yeah. <laughs> like 20% less dance. And then we have the main event. Mark, Mark Andrews challenging <laughs> Marty Skull for um, the Progress Championship. The, the Does pers- Andrews have any chance in this one? <laughs> I'm glad you asked me that. He has 0% chance of winning this <laughs> match. <laughs> 0%. If Marty Skrull has like a like a stroke or something and dies in the <laughs> ring, that's the only chance Mark Andrews has of winning. And even this then, is, I, I don't think so. This is to get some heat back on Skrull after he's bullshitted his way through a couple of title defences. Yeah, he, he could do with a strong win. I think this will be a strong win. It should be a good match. They, they might even crack like the four-star barrier and have like a really good match. Um, I don't know. It's, do you think it's last? Probably on last, just to kind of get that prestige back on the on the belt. Mm. Yeah, I think this will go on last. Uh, it's interesting to see Mark Andrews get a lot of big shots, but always losing them. He lost in the Strong Style Final, of course. That was. I, I think he's the kind way, of guy but... that you can put in in those spots. But do do you think that after? Mark Haskins eventually wins the Progress Championship. Uh, they like telling this nearly man story. They did it with Osprey. They did it with Skull. They did it with Haskins. Do you think Mark Andrews becomes that next nearly man who is like perpetually losing and then gets the title shot and like builds himself back up to a main event level and wins the title? I can see him uh, like in the title picture and losing again. Um... <laughs> You think I, I he's think, a perennial loser. I think the problem that they've got is that uh, he does have those TNA commitments, and you never know when yeah. that might cause a bit of a clash. Uh, they they won't put the belt on somebody who is going to be predominantly in another promotion, which is why Osprey hasn't got it. Um, so no, I don't think I don't think he's got any chance of winning anytime soon. Okay, so he's just a legitimate challenger, but never the actual yeah. champion. He, he's a heroic yeah. Goto. Yeah. <laughs> And he's better than Goto. <laughs> oh, that's harsh. Oh, Goto. <laughs> Poor <chokes>. Goto. <laughs> he's a choker. 
Choco. Choco Goto. Although and with that, he is actually oh, had like a, a match of the year candidate with Kenny Omega, so this is very, very true, and that's why I thought you were very harsh on him. Yeah, <laughs> but up to that point, I thought he'd had an absolute stinker of the year. <laughs> and with that Hiroki Goto take, we've completed uh, three months of uh, progress storyline catch-upping, and it's been an up and down couple of months of progress, couple of shows. Uh, we've seen some very good stuff. We've seen some, probably their worst booking decision ever. Um, Sebastian will be on chapter 35 to explain his actions. Um, and we have no idea how that's going to come across. But yeah, we're on the road to Brixton. We're almost there. We're going to start getting matches and a, car, a proper card for Brixton. Yeah, I can't wait. After the show. It's very exciting. It's an exciting time for progress. <laughs> Which is why I don't want them to have duff shows that end in weird comedy wrestlers coming back and ruining main events for no reason. Uh, uh, I, I got extra fired up today because um, <laughs> today I, I booked like the trains and the, and the hotel for Brixton, so that that kind of made it feel more real. I mean, I got the tickets so mm. in front of me, like right here, I've had it since <laughs> like the middle of May. But um, yeah, just just booking that that train, booking that hotel. The, the town is close to, you know, it's still a month away, but um, it's, it's close. So close I can almost touch it. it. It's definitely exciting, and I think the way the card is shaping up, it should be a really strong show. I think they'll have either Sebastian on there and that'll be nothing, but everything else that they've set up should be really awesome. Yeah, I'm. I'm really looking forward to. It. I mean, progress traditionally when they say something is big and important, it it is. Um, yeah. so they they've been plugging away at this show for like six months. So they've obviously got some some shit planned for this. Uh, <laughs> I'm ready for it. Should we wrap this uh, up? Let, then? Let's wrap it up. Uh, have you got any plugs? Chapter thirty three review on Voices of Wrestling. Chapter thirty four review is uh coming soon as well the chapter 35 review chapter 34 might already be up by the time this drops hopefully <laughs> and um f4w uh the euro notes that i write in every week for the newsletter i've been writing an awful lot of stuff at uh, at 411 recently because larry has started emailing me the the like group participation stuff because uh, i can't be bothered to go on the forum so he's actually started emailing it to me and as a increased my output significantly um i've reviewed tons of stuff on there recently like all the g1 uh the fight club pro show i did that uh super jacob some other japanese stuff and uh uprising hasn't dropped yet but i have written it and it's in the system and so is chapter 34 so go and uh, to 411mania.com and uh check me out in the uh, the video review section and with that, we're done. So, um, good evening. Good night.
here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.